Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host, Tom Kui here. We are back with another of Metallica's covers, another of Metallica's Motorhead covers. Today we are covering Stone Dead Forever. I believe this was originally um, from the collection of B-Sides for Hero Today back in 96 and obviously was uh, immortalised on Garage Inc. If you're new to the show, it is myself and a guest going for a song, a guest from around the world. And if you enjoy the show, you want to give back to the show, there's many ways you can do that. iTunes is there if you want to leave us a review. Patreon. Patreon, if you want to give back financially and you get some rewards over there, you get access to an RSS feed where I upload the episodes there first. So, for instance, an episode that will probably be out around the time this drops, my chat with the Deep Purple podcast with Nate, all about Metallica and Deep Purple. That's been on there for like a month or so. And obviously with Alpha Metallica episodes in general, there's two a week. So I'm always kind of a fortnight or so ahead. So there's you know, not going to be two or three episodes on there as well. Um, what else do we have? YouTube, go subscribe on there. Get in touch with me, MetallicaPod at gmail.com. At MetallicaPod on the Twitter. Great to hear your reviews of the tracks, and I post a lot of updates about the show and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, as I always say, one of my favorite things about the show is welcoming guests back that I've had a good chat with before. My guest today, we discuss Ronnie, and now back today, Phil. How's it going, sir? It's going really well, Tom. How are you? I'm really well. I, you know, we discussed before. You, you know, you're a big comic fan like myself. Comic Con's going down right now. I've got to confess, I haven't really been following it too closely. Has there been any major revelations? Or there's, I, I haven't had a chance to. I mean, obviously, I'm not there either. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have friends that are there who are, are torturing me mercilessly with right. photos of all the fun they're having. Um, the major announcements so far, I don't. I'm not remembering any. I know that I'm, I'm friends with some some of the comic shop owners in town here, mm. and it's based on some of the marks, uh, the remarks they've made as far as recent issues or or some back issues from a few years ago that are starting to fly off the shelves i'm guessing that there's some been announcements or been some announcements about comics that are being turned into movies or tv shows sure because the speculators have to come out in full force at that point um and then last night with the eisner awards and i know that tom king uh took one home for best writer yes he has done i don't know if you've read the mr miracle miniseries that he did i'm more i'm more familiar with um sheriff of baghdad and a little bit of his batman stuff yeah, so that's I, that's the Sheriff's of Babylon is the one I haven't had a chance ba- to tackle Babylon, yet. Sorry, yeah, yeah. But uh, that's on my list to, to track down and find. Um, and then Mitch Garaz as well took uh, best penciler, and Chip Zdarsky, who is Canadian, uh, took one home for best single issue, I believe, for his work on Spectacular Spider-Man. Okay, cool. I th- didn't um, another Canuck win the the mighty Jeff Lemire? I think I saw on his Twitter that he won something as well. Hey, if he did, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Lemire is incredible. I mean, yeah, Sweet Tooth and uh, Trillium stuff. But, you know, okay, we're here to talk about Metallica. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because I had you on the show before, so we've sort of gone through your Metallica story. Go back and check out the Ronnie episode. And we spoke about when you met the band as well and all those interactions, uh, you know, some, some awesome stuff. This is a Motorhead cover. What are Motorhead to you? A band that you love? A band that you've just discovered through Metallica? Like a band you tolerate? Like, what are the trio? No, I, I love Motorhead. Okay. I mean, I'll be the first to admit that they're it, – it'd be a slog if you had to listen to their whole discography yeah. in one go or whatever. True, There's true. a lot of sameness there. I'll fully admit that. Yeah. But you, you can't go wrong by throwing a Motorhead song into any mix you're going to put together. Yeah, yeah. And you can completely understand why the guys love them, right? I mean, there's so much of that DNA in Metallica. like So much of Lemmy in James's delivery and attitude especially. Absolutely. And you can definitely hear that when you go through these tracks. Yeah, I mean, Motorhead for me, you know, I think we've pretty much covered all of the covers now. We haven't done Too Late, Too Late, but we've done Overkill and we've done Damage Case and Murder One, of course, as well. You know, not technically a Motorhead song, but obviously a tribute uh, to the deceased Lemmy. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't mind them. I totally agree that they can become slightly monotonous. They don't really reinvent the wheel. I know the, the track we're tackling today is from 1979, and I'm pretty certain that if you were to go up to, I don't know when their most recent album was. I would imagine like the sort of mid to late 2000s. I'm sure there'd be no proggy time changes in there or female backing singers. It's just going to be a fuzzy bass riff with some bluesy guitar over the top, and you know Lemmy's dependable growly bark. But uh, yeah, so this track. Uh, Stone Dead Forever, it's actually a live version rather than a studio version. And that imbues it with some energy, doesn't it, I think? I think it works in its favor. I, I agree. I mean, obviously, it's been well said at this point that the all four of these, the Motorhead covers were recorded sort of during the rehearsals for Lemmy's 50th birthday party. Yeah. Um, where they were asked, they actually were asked to, to play a full Metallica set, which they kind of declined and said, no, but we'll come on and do a, a quick little cover set. Mm-hmm. So they put these four tracks together and they also did We Are The Road Crew and The Chase Is Better Than The Catch. Um, and so all this is recorded just live off the floor. And I totally agree. I think if this was, if they put this out as any kind of real attempt at a cover, I think it would be rightly shat upon. But the fact that it's been, this is just, you can hear it. It's four guys having yeah. fun. Um, sometimes that, you know, the, the perfection or, or whatever gets a little bit lost, but you don't need it because the energy is there and there, there's, there's, you know, yeah, going off in the background and shit that, that, you, that you can hear the fun they're having and the, the vibe and the soul is totally there. Mm. And you know, we open up with one of the most satisfyingly fuzzy bass tones I've ever heard. And the, the bass is scored through the heart of this song with a lot of Motorhead songs. And you know, Jason is there plucking away to his heart's content. Like, what would you make of that as it opens up, the drums coming in, you know, those sort of the first 20 seconds or so? I think it's great. It sets the tone right away. And, you know, Jason points to Lemmy as a huge influence in both his the way he plays bass, the fact that he plays with a pick. And you can hear that in his playing, but it's still different. If you do an A and B comparison, like I don't know if you've ever, I'm sure you've seen footage of Jason playing bass live. Yeah. But he, you know, when he's moving his, his picking hand, all the movement usually comes from, if not the elbow, the shoulder. Mm. Like he pounds his bass guitar. Whereas Lemmy wears his guitar a little higher and a lot more motion in his wrist. So their up and down alternate picking rhythm motion is a little bit different. And that you can hear that when they're playing these two things, if you hear it sort of side by side. Yeah. So when Jason comes in, you hear the Lemmy influence and certainly in the tone and, and the picking style, but it's just this thundering pounding that goes on. Yeah, and you know the, the chords are clattering down, and you know this sort of intro, to me at least, maybe I've just listened to Metallica a bit too much, reminds me a little bit of Four Horsemen, the horsemen are drawing nearer, like it kind of has that wide panoramic expanse, I don't know if you hear that? I hadn't before, but I like the idea. Yeah, I mean, look, it's chords going down a scale. Like, it's always going to sound somewhat similar. It's not kind of Absolutely. pulling off the riff. Like, there's that, uh, what is it, End of the Line by Metallica, which pretty much steals the Why Go riff from Pearl Jam. But again, the notes they're using, and you know, you know, there's only so much you can draw from in terms of that wellspring. But yeah, the song carries on. It's a pretty exciting ride. The, the verse itself is James just sort of thrashing out these chords and, and barking over the top. Lyrically quite interesting, though. I like a lot of the images, and a lot of words here, like wizard, for example, that you don't normally hear James say. Yeah, and, and I spent some time going over them and trying to... Listen, I'm not the guy you want analyzing lyrics. Sure. Nine times out of ten, that <laughs> shit flies way over my head. Uh, but, you know, no idea necessarily what the overall message is trying to be. I kind of got like a like a, a dude always trying to chase the money, like a King Midas type thing mm-hmm. by the end of it. Uh, but there's definitely, you know, Sweet Lounge Lizard, Top Tycoon, that kind of stuff. Caught your fingers in the pearly gates. There's some great lines. Yeah, in I there. like that. That's a great line. Yeah. And yeah, there's just, 
you better leave your number, we'll call you, that idea. Like, I don't know, again, I'm not too au fait with Motorhead as a whole. I know Lemmy, I guess he was regarded as, like, you know, a lyricist of some note, I suppose. Certainly evident in this song. And, yeah, these ideas of, I mean, you got to consider when this was written right at the tail end of the 70s. So you kind of that yuppie movement, the financial wizard, that sort of greed is good idea certainly plays into the latter verses. But, yeah, there's not too much to think about in this song. I mean, compositionally, there's not too much in this song really um quite a standard verse the chorus is kind of catchy i guess i mean it's kind of just hinged upon that stone dead forever like that being barked out right it's almost a one-line uh, chorus mm. like the three the three lines preceding it are almost a pre-chorus and stone dead forever like you're saying that that bark there yeah. That's it. That's the whole root of the song. Yeah, yeah. And you know, like, like a lot of Mohead songs as well, that just sort of gets cast out. They don't have these kind of intricate weaving melody lines or whatever. It is just this this call to arms, this, uh, you know, excitation for the crowd. And, um, you know, the bass comes in again after the second chorus, kind of carrying the track. Kurt comes in with that nice little like that little lead line there, which is very, very faithful to the original. I'm, gu- I'm guessing you've listened to, listened to the original yourself. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because, I mean, it's it's essentially note for note, isn't it? Like, sometimes in Metallica songs, they rebuild it or reconstruct or take lines out or whatever. But this is just, this is paying homage. It really is. But to just to correct you, I these are all, to the best of my knowledge, these are all James solos. Oh, that's right. Actually, yeah, because I watched them live in uh, in, in Paris just before. And yeah, it, and it, it does have that kind of James soulful bend, actually, now that you mention it. Yeah. And the, and yeah, and if the other tracks where you hear Kirk soloing on the other other Motorhead tracks... It's it's soaked in wah, which yeah. this guitar tone is not. <laughs> yeah, there's um, uh, Damage Case as well. Now it springs to mind. There's a video on the, the Met Club of them playing, I think, backstage with Lemmy in Nashville, I want to say. And James yeah. does all the solos on that as well. And he absolutely yeah. rips. And, you know, he's 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 a great league guitar player. Like, I understand why Kirk is there. And James couldn't probably construct just, you know, your Sam Manzi or Ryan's, etc. But just in terms of noodling, I'd probably rather hear James than Kirk, you know? Not to mention the fact that in that video, he doesn't stop smiling the whole time. Yeah. yeah right yeah, beside yeah. his hero playing the stuff he grew up on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. It's beautiful. It's wonderful to see. And, you know, James's voice on this track, what, what did you make of the sound of it? Again, I think the fact that it's 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 a recorded demo, a recorded jam session almost, I think that saves it from any real criticism. It almost sounds to me like he's, he's doing a light imitation of Lemmy. Yeah. I don't think this is his sort of quote-unquote natural singing voice i think he's trying to to have some fun with it and you know certainly vocally it's fine for me there's some parts where he messes up the lyrics oh yeah and Definitely. that that is it's too bad because that to me is the only thing that really takes away from this if you were going to look for something mm-hmm. yeah yeah but it is kind of endearing it is you know evidence of this of this live document to a certain extent. but yeah i was following along the lyrics earlier listening to it and i was like what's james actually saying here like it's kind of garbled a bit a bit merely mouthed but um yeah there you know, really isn't much to the song. There isn't kind of this transcendent middle eight for whatever. It doesn't shift around. It just continues. We get that lead break. We go back into another chorus. We sort of get this this jam out at the end. But that, that, that's the beauty of Motorhead, isn't it? This is why the guy loved the guys love the band. I think Lars especially. Um, I'm pretty sure he named one of Motorhead's albums one of his top 15 albums of all time. Like Metallica worship Motorhead. Yeah, and rightly so. I mean, you can see where a lot of their 
you know, the 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 riffage, the the constant downstrokes, the speed, the aggression, mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff is rooted in Motorhead. Yeah, yeah, definitely that kind of that 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 synthesis between heavy metal and punk, uh, that kind of that that middle point there that is the embodiment of thrash. You definitely see uh, inoculated in Motorhead. They have played it live twice, as we said. So I believe the recording that we're hearing is from West Hollywood, Cali, uh, December fourteenth, nineteen ninety five, and just dusted it out once more. April 1st, April Fool's Day, uh, 2009, in Paris. Uh, have you seen this performance? Yep, it's the only live one that they have up there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the only one they have. And all the comments on YouTube, quite rightly so, call out the crowd. The crowd are pretty dead, but I don't exactly blame the crowd, you know what I mean? This isn't the go-to Metallica cover that everyone's going to know. No, I mean, it's it's not a go-to Metallica track to start and cover second. It's not yeah. one that a lot of people are going to know. No, 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 exactly. It's not a kind of on that bread fan, so what, sort of echelon. And it's quite cool on the Paris version as well. They open with um, Suicide and Redemption, sort of messing about on the main riff and then going into a segue. And you know, James asks the people, because it must be like right towards the end of the concert, you know, why are you still here? Uh, is there anything else you want to hear? Everyone cheers. Everyone's probably like, oh, my God, they're going to play Sandman. They're going to play... Oh, oh. Some some Motorhead B side cover that yeah we don't really remember <laughs> and probably is Damage Case or we're not quite sure is this too late too late I don't I don't know is this but yeah so yeah but um people don't really react but the band are having a ball and James is just in full Guitar Hero mode it's cool to see Kirk on the riser with Lars just head banging out and James just with his V and James rocking the leather jacket shirtless combo it looks like a badass he totally does and again you can just see. He's loving the shit out of every second of this. Mm-hmm. This is something that they may not even necessarily do for the crowd. This yeah. is totally for them to get up there and just jam away at. Yeah, yeah, completely. And, I mean, that, that's about it, really. There, there isn't too much to say about the track, isn't it? It's kind of a run and gun, in and out. I mean, I don't. I mean, it's in a good way. It's a Motorhead song. It is. And, I, I, you know, if you were to look at it as sort of the, the, the overall pantheon of Motorhead, I don't know if this track would come up in sort of your top 10, top 15 necessarily. No. It, it does come from what what's considered sort of the classic era with yeah. Lemmy and Phil and, and Eddie Clark. But as far as the Metallica cover goes, I think this is one of the ones that I think it's a slept on a bit. I, agree. I think I think it, it, it gets lost in, in sort of because I mean, really, Overkill was the sing is the, the B side for uh, Until It Sleeps. Right. And then uh, the Hero of the Day was the next single off load. And they just kind of tossed out the other three tunes and they kind of all get lumped in as this quote unquote motor headache. Um, and I think that does this this song a disservice. I think it's, you know, I'm a bass player by trade, but in the Ronnie episode we did, I talked about Lars's drumming, and here I think it needs to be highlighted as well. I don't, I'm not saying it's great. It certainly isn't. I know he he misses up a couple of times, but the with how high the drums are in the mix, uh, because Kirk is almost inaudible at points, but with mm-hmm. how high and how loud these drums are, it's a really catchy drum part. If yeah, you yeah. can listen to this whole thing without tapping your feet along and, and I don't know, finger drumming on something, I don't I don't want to talk to you. Like, you just can't. <laughs> it's really catchy. It's almost hooky for a drum part. Yeah, I get what you're saying. And it definitely pulls you through with the raw adrenaline, the momentum. I don't think Motorhead played this song that much live. I tried to find a few tracks. There's, like, a recorded track of, like, 1980, and it's been deemed as, like, quite rare. And it's not, like, on their Spotify Top 10 or anything like that. So, you know, it's nice to see that the boys have... Dig, dug a bit deeper, you know, into the back catalogue and um, enshrine this song. But, yeah, I mean, the Paris crowd didn't really seem to know the song very well. As we always do with every Alpha Metallica episode, I open it up to you guys at Metallica Pod. No one's given any feedback on the song. <laughs> 
to be fair, ah, fuck yeah, to be fair, I only asked it a few hours ago. I sort of uh, forgot a little bit that I needed to do that. So, um, you know, maybe that's my fault. But still, I don't think, you know, a lot of these covers as well, they're not kind of people on jumping on it like a say Angle or One or something like that. But, you know, guys, let us know down below in the comments what you think about this track, uh, MetallicaBodyGemo.com as well. Any, uh, any final thoughts on Stone Dead Forever, Phil? Uh, not necessarily. Like I say, I think this is a, a under underappreciated Metallica cover. I think it gets lost in the mix with the other three. Uh, it's certainly of their covers. It's my favorite of that of that four piece far and away because I love Motorhead Overkill. I saw that you did the Overkill episode solo. That yes. breaks my heart. That isn't just one of my favorite Motorhead songs or favorite metal songs. Overkill is one of my favorite songs of all time. Damn. I fucking love it. And the fact that you had to do that song by yourself is, is really unfortunate. <laughs> I don't really even remember that song or that episode. I, I, well, I can, we're done here. Have yeah. a <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine I'm pretty much saying exactly what I'm saying today. Like, it's a mohead song, blah, blah, blah. But, like, no, no, I get I get it. And, you know, maybe in uh, 10, 15 years when I do Alpha Talica Season 2 and go back and do the whole back catalogue again, you know, we can get you incorporated on that. But, but, but yeah, guys, I mean, as I say again, let us know um, what you think about this track and... You know, Metallica by gmail.com if you want to hop on the show as well. What about covers in general then by Metallica? Like, what are some of your favorites out of interest? Um, well, to me, they almost fall into two categories. Because uh, there's, they, you know, if you look at the Garage Inc. release they did, mm-hmm. you've got sort of the older stuff that is really clear, like what they're, in, like it's right on their sleeve. Like the, the Diamond Head stuff is really obviously influencing and Blitzkrieg and that far back. And then the newer stuff was. So almost a window of stuff that you wouldn't have guessed. Like you'd have known they were. It wouldn't be a surprise that James Hetfield was a Bob Seger fan. Right. But turn the page is not necessarily the song you'd pick. Um, but I, I mean, most of the stuff they've done, I love it. Their medleys when they did the uh, Merciful Fate oh and the Wrong Rising medley, those are fucking amazing. Uh, any of the Diamond Head covers, Bread Fan was fantastic. I'm a huge Misfits fan, so if they want to do the yeah. Misfits, you go right ahead. Mm-hmm. The Motorhead stuff is actually. They, they, the Ramones covers were garbage. Just so we're, we're clear, <laughs> yeah, they were just a hot mess. They don't sound good. Fifty third and third was okay. The rest of them that were on the Saint Anger singles were just not. I, I mean, yeah, I, Commando I, had a throwaway charm, but but I do agree, yeah. But as far as the Motorhead stuff goes, I almost it's I like Motorhead enough, and those things are so almost perfect on their own. You almost don't need to cover them. I know. You, you know, I'm, I I know how this the the way this came about. And the fact that it was sort of a last-minute thing and, and recorded live off the floor, that kind of saves it for me. But otherwise, there's no need to cover these. They're, they're almost too close. Yeah, yeah, they are just like kind of one for one. Yeah, I, I, to- I totally get what you're saying. But again, it's this hero worship of these guys that are hero worshipped by millions. And I just love the fact that they kind of extend their own fandom out there. And, you know, like yourself, like me, like so many of us, we've learned so many bands. Like, I, I never knew who Discharge were. And I actually really like Discharge now as a result of more I see in Free Speech for the Dumb. Like, you know, there's pretty breathtaking covers there. And and yeah, the Dumb, and the Merciful Fate medley, as you mentioned as well, is astonishing. So, so good. Like, just a wonderful constructed piece. Like, you know, really, really, really brilliant. So, um, yeah, guys, I mean, this was, uh, you know, maybe a slightly briefer episode just because by the net virtue of the song um, it is slightly briefer. But, uh, I mean, Motorhead as well, Phil, like, if if one was to dig into Motorhead, is it the album that this comes from that they should listen to? Or no, I'd start with Overkill. Overkill. Yeah, I so, mean that's I mean that's how I got introduced to them. I was you know, hanging out with some friends, and somebody just literally sort of plopped the cassette in my hands. Mm-hmm. And so from that point on, it's I mean, 
that to me is their their best album. So if you start with that, you've got nowhere to go but down. But in that era between Overkill, Ace of Spades, and Bomber, you almost can't go wrong. And guys, we'll be back next week. Actually, we'll be back in a few days' time for uh, Struggle Within, which I've already recorded with Mark. That was a really fun episode. Then we're doing Suicide and Redemption, which is weird because they just played that before the cover. Uh, Sweet Amber. That was just your life, the thing that should not be. Form Within with Clint Wells from Metal at Your Podcast. I also have Danny nice. Derryberry coming on, the famous uh, emailer to Metal at Your Podcast. So that should be a fun chat as well. I've already spoken, uh, already did nothing else. Matt's been through the never. Uh, to Live Is To Die, we've got uh, a Ramones cover, unfortunately, covering up as well in the pipeline. Uh, today You'll Love Tomorrow. And then the final Motorhead cover, Too Late, Too Late. So, uh, yeah, guys, stay tuned. Um, Phil, yourself, I know we spoke before about you getting into the podcast game. Any Any progress on that? A little bit. Uh, the, we've I've re- we've recorded our first episode oh, a couple cool. weeks ago, and the second episode. I've actually got the guy coming over today to do the second episode, so and it's going to be. I'll, I'll I can't plug the name yet because sure. I haven't finished registering all the all the domains and socials and whatnot. But it might be of interest to your listeners eventually. The guy that um, is coming on today is another local podcaster in Edmonton. Here, he does one called the Modern Manhood Podcast, mm-hmm. which is sort of an examination of uh, masculinity in the sort of the modern era. And he's a sort of semi-Metallica fan and he likes movies. So I reached out to him because kind of a friend of a friend and asked him to watch some kind of monster and to come over and talk about that from his sort of masculinity perspective. Cool. So I'm really curious to see what he has to say about it. Love that. Love that. So, I mean, the show then is you just interviewing generally interesting people. Is there any bigger theme or? Not really. Like, it's really a vanity project. I'm not expecting a whole lot of listenership. It was just sort of an excuse for me to... To, I'd, I'd wanted to do something in the podcast space for a while, uh, but I couldn't, you know, I couldn't think of a theme that would sort of last very long. And eventually I thought, screw it. If this is just for me, it's going to be totally for me. And then if people want to listen in, great. Um, but it's more a matter of finding people that either I think are interesting or have a passion or a fandom or a, a nerd thing that they think that is interesting to me or to them. If they can talk passionately about it for 45 minutes to an hour, I want to hear it. All right, great. Well, of course, let me know when you've settled all the name and all that sort of stuff, all the branding, and we'll get that out there on the Twitter and people will check that out. Yeah, hope to listen to that, uh, some kind of monster experience as well. I mean, I guess you could have done a comic book podcast, but there's already two billion of them, so maybe. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's some great ones out there, no doubt, but uh, but yeah, it is a little slightly great. Like, um, I did a uh, brief Watchmen podcast, I don't know if I mentioned this before, uh, mm-hmm. with a friend of mine where we went for each issue, and then we're actually reviewing Doomsday Clock at the moment, which, have you read Doomsday Clock? I haven't. I've got about half of it so far. I haven't had a chance to. It's my read pile only ever gets bigger, yeah. and it's in there somewhere. Yeah, uh, it's absolutely abysmal. I, I I would just say that now. Um, it, it's just so so bad. Like I'm not really a Jeff Johns fan in general, but it's Jeff Johns struggling to do an Alan Moore impression, and it's kind of laughably bad in some places. But um, but yeah, we we did that is what I was trying to say. And we you know we were like, oh, this is really niche. We're going to go issue by issue, and then we discovered there's a podcast that goes through Watchmen page by page. So each episode is just a page of Watchmen. So I think it's going to be you know like 500 issue 500 episodes, which is incredible. Good lord! I know, I know. Where's that kind of time? I don't know. And like the problem is, some of the episodes, some of the pages are like splash pages, so you're only really getting half the information. And the, you know, anyone that's read Watchmen knows that Moore and Dave Gibbons play with paneling in such an inventive way that it would kind of obscure that. But yeah, guys, this has been great as always. Um, thank you for listening at MetallicaPod, MetallicaPod at gmail.com. Phil, anything? I know you're on Twitter. Anything else you'd like to promote? No, for the time being, I think we're good. All right. Okay. Thanks, guys. We'll be back next week. And, Phil, thanks again for your time. Thanks so much for having me, Tom. 